We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting ready for the final shot of the third quarter. It's Kemba. Fire it You're listening to BuzzBeat Radio, your premier Charlotte Hornets show. Now broadcasting with your host, Richie and Spencer. All right, welcome back, BuzzBeat listeners, Queen City Hoops readers, and Hornets fans. This is episode 23 of BuzzBeat Radio and our second on Dash Radio. For our new audience on Dash, BuzzBeat is a Charlotte Hornets show where you will get in-depth analysis about everything surrounding the Charlotte Hornets. We're getting ready to gear up our NBA draft coverage over the next few months, but you'll find that we have plenty of versatility when it comes to talking Hornets basketball and the NBA in general. If you're an NBA fan, especially if you're a Hornets fan, stick with us because I know that you're going to like what we have to offer. BuzzBeat Radio will air every Tuesday from 4 to 5 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time uh, on Dash Radio. The Almighty Baller Radio Network, the home of BuzzBeat Radio, is extremely excited about our new partnership with Dash Radio. So with that being said, thank you to all of our dedicated listeners of the show show so far, and please tell all your friends. Also, if you're a regular listener of the show and haven't downloaded the Dash Radio app, then please make sure you do that right now. We've got another great show on the way tonight and a very, very, very special guest that I'm extremely excited to have on. This guy is the reason Queen Titty Hoops exists uh, and has given the site numerous opportunities to flourish uh, throughout the years. I will introduce that guest very shortly, but first, my good friend and co-host, Richie Handles. Randall, Richie, what's happening? Not a whole lot, Spencer. Not a whole lot. I actually just received my BuzzBeat radio coffee mug in the mail today, so good timing. I'm actually making use of it right now. Uh, is it bad that I drink coffee at all times during the day? That's just me. I must be addicted to it, but if you're interested in BuzzBeat merchandise like the mug that I got today or sweatshirts, t-shirts, notebooks, phone cases, whatever whatever you want, uh, you can visit tpublic.com slash user slash ABPN. Um, and we actually just did a giveaway in which we gave away a t-shirt to one of our dedicated listeners, and he won a giveaway. Uh, so definitely check out you know the tpublic site. And we try to advertise it as much as we can at BuzzBeat Radio uh, when they have sales. Uh, that's kind of what, what I would take advantage of. So 
periodically check our Twitter because they do run sales on TeePublic. So definitely check them out. But definitely excited about our guest tonight because I know that I'm going to learn a lot as well as our listeners. Awesome. Yeah, that's good information about the stuff that you can buy. Um, you know, some some uh, Buzzbeat memorabilia and take home stuff with you, if you will. So thanks, Richie. Uh, again, I'm very excited about our guest tonight. Um, so without further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce the founder, the godfather of Queen City Hoops, the guy that started it all, Brett Hainline. Brett, thanks for coming on the show, and how are you, man? I'm doing well. Thanks, guys, for having me on and uh, still talking to me after all these years of radio silence on my end. So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, man, but you uh, you got bigger and better things going on in your life and have for a while. Um, but I, I wanted to bring you on for a few reasons. The first reason, it really, with all the stuff that happened to ESPN last week, and it was made very public, right? Like who all was getting fired and, and where they were being cuts made. And, you know, it was kind of a sad day for that company, but it really trickles all the way down to something like Queen City Hoops. And, and you were around when really all of that happened, when you decided to start Queen City Hoops, and then when Queen City Hoops became a, a member of the True Hoop um, network that the NBA team uh, and Henry Abbott and Kevin Artevents and a lot of those great guys started with ESPN. So Henry was let go that last week, you know, with all those cuts. So the True Network really, I would say it's been dead for a while, but it's officially uh, dead now. So I wanted to bring you on, Brett. And first, I, w I want you to just kind of say a few words about how Queen City Hoops came about, what inspired you to start the site. Uh, and then we can kind of transition and maybe talk about you know, the True Hoop Network, when they came along and approached you um, to be a member uh, site for, at that time, the Charlotte Bobcats for the True Hoop Network, and, and kind of how the True Hoop paved the way for Queen City Hoops. So with that said, yeah, just kind of start by telling us, hey, what inspired you to, to start this website? <laughs> this is actually fairly geeky, though that makes sense, given that I uh, started the site based around statistics. And, you know, given that I'm probably sounding a little uncomfortable here on the phone i had started this site based on a speech i gave for toastmasters at work years and years ago now i was i had started doing toastmasters as a way to improve my public speaking um, because i knew that i just wasn't very comfortable working with new people at at my job and just in general you know um you know if i was on a call i was typically a pretty quiet participant and I was getting some feedback from management. Hey, this is an area to improve in. So uh, I'd signed up for Toastmasters and one of the early speeches was about, you know, try to convince the audience of uh, a point you're trying to make. And I wanted to prove and convince people that the Bobcats made a significant mistake when they drafted Adam Morrison over Brandon Roy. Now at this point, you know, we had, it's easy even with Brandon's, you know, early retirement, he still was easily the better pick. But, you know, I was doing this back in early 2007. It wasn't long after that pick had happened. So, you know, it was at least it was at least a potential debate back then. So <laughs> um, I started trying to research um, the two guys and some of the other options in that draft and going around searching the Internet. And there was just not much content out there. Um, for Bobcats fans at that time. Uh, there were a couple of other fan blogs, but they were both seldom updated. And I don't think either of them are still doing anything. So I'll say I, I didn't think they were higher, high quality. So I was like, well, I, I guess I'll give this a shot. Um, 
I didn't start it right away, but, you know, once I had that speech in my back pocket, you know, it kind of gnawed at me. And I was, I messed around with a couple of things, uh, writings on my, my space page, again, showing you how old this, <laughs> how far this goes back. Uh, <laughs> I don't awful. think you'll be able to find that now. I think, I, I think I've been deleted from my space, but, uh, <laughs> um, I, I decided, you know, there was that speech. There was also at work, we were starting to, you know, in my day job, I'm a tech person as well. And we were starting to look at some more web-based products and tools that we were going to be using. And I decided it'd be worthwhile for me to have a little more experience with that. Um, and I was like, well, I can set up a website hosted off my local <laughs> machine and, and do the, the back-end stuff. And, you know, that'll give me some experience with this and it'll be useful for work as well. Um, and that's really where the site came from was those two um activities or events coming up at the same time was the Toastmaster speech as well as um, the potential at work for needing to have a little more ex experience in that area and just decided I'd, I'd take a run at it and you know like from very early on I've always you know thanked my wife she was very supportive it was a lot of late nights for me and she just always encouraged it as a hobby and as a passion to, to dig into so um, that yeah that's uh no, that's that's awesome. That, that's perfect. I, I was a huge – I was a religious reader of Queen City Hoops long before I approached <laughs> it. I was like, hey, can I come write for you? Uh, but um, I loved it because you were – you really were, Brett, one of the first – I mean especially in 2007, 2008. We start talking a decade ago. I mean you were really one of those first basketball fans on the scene that was into like advanced analytics and looking at the game um, from a standpoint that really no one was yet. Uh, and, and that's what that really was what attracted me to the website in the first place. And then in 2000, you know, late 2010, I guess I sent you an email and said, I can't stop reading your website. I, it fascinates me. I'm a sad and, uh, you know, depressed Charles Bobcats fan, just like you are. Can I come right for you? And, and you said, yeah, yeah, come on board, man. I could use some help. But that is actually that came after Queen City Hoops became a part of the True Hoop Network which had a lot of momentum at one time uh, in this in this basketball world. Can you speak to kind of what that process was like, how you were approached by ESPN and the True Hoop Network, and what the what the factor was that convinced you to, to kind of get on board with that? Sure. I mean, I had been, from early on when I started doing posts and everything, I had, I had had one that was well-received and somehow had gotten over to Henry Abbott, and he had posted it on his old site, you know, back when it was just, you know, True Hoop, not ESPN's True Hoop blog. And he had let me know, hey, if you've got something that you think might be worth uh, hitting my daily links, because that was something he did back then. And I don't I don't even know if they still do that on the ESPN version. Um, but, you know, it was a daily roundup of things from around all of the different blogs covering all the different teams. And he's let me know and, and I'll, pretend, I'll include it if I think it's worthwhile. So I'm um, from Early on, and you know, I had like 30 readers a day on my site, except for when, hey, you know, Henry liked something and he linked it, or you know, uh, Kelly Dwyer linked something and he linked it. I mean, some of the other guys that have been around a long time, you know, even as a newcomer, they didn't care about you know how long I've been doing it. They just, hey, this is something good. We'll go ahead and link it for now. And if, if it's not here in two months, well, so be it, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, Henry had given me that early feedback and. In, in, you know, I'd bounce occasionally, bounce a little bit of ideas off of them 
in the 2007, 2008 timeframe. So we had a little bit of, you know, it was just email relationship, but, you know, knew that if I had good content along, he would be interested in it. Um, so getting into 2009, you know, there was a couple of uh, opportunities. Uh, SB Nation actually reached out to me first uh, before um, Henry and Kevin did with, with the True Hoop side. And, um, you know, th- that was, you know, the other big sports blog network at the time that was kind of trying to ramp up. Uh, but it was a, it was a no non-starter for me was that they wanted me to sign over my website to SB Nation. And uh, not long after, you know, honestly, within a week or two, I also had, you know, Kevin reaching out to me and Henry reaching out to discuss, you know, this, the, the true hoop network idea. And the pitch was simple. Hey, we're ESPN. You own your site. We own ours. We direct people in each other's direction. You get to work with a lot of smart people across all these other teams. And we have kind of, we have, you know, the affiliate roster. And I was like, you know, perfect. I mean, growing, you know, I'm 30. How old am I? I'm about to be 35. So growing up watching, you know, Sports Center and you know, ESPN was, you know, sports to me. Having the opportunity to tie my site to ESPN was a no-brainer. I was just ecstatic at the chance and the, the people that I was going to get to work with. I mean, I'd, Matt Moore had started up Hardwood Paroxysm. Paroxysm. Mm-hmm. I, I can never say it right. Anyway, <laughs> he started it up about the same time as QC uh, QC Hoops and knowing that he was joining and just, um, oh man, I'm, I'm forgetting some of the guys that did all the team blogs at that time, but it was just, I I'd worked with some of these guys already just, you know, here and there and knowing that, that we were all coming together to work on this was just a really exciting opportunity. And just, it was an easy call to make because again, you know, Henry had been one of these guys who had helped me get traffic early on and keep this momentum because, you know, I, I joked about the 30, viewers a day those first few months i was starting a bobcats blog during the off season of a not great year i mean they won 30 something games it's like there weren't a ton of people coming out and looking for that content (laughs) without somebody else nudging them in that direction so well it's um you know it it definitely was a no-brainer i think looking back on it you know for you and and the vision that henry had you know was definitely um was definitely contagious, and not only that, but like you said, just being a part of ESPN. But I mean, you look at the names, and you'll you'll recognize some of these. Brett, I mean, Dan Feldman, Sebastian Peridi, who's now yep. in the front yeah. off. I mean, he was you and him. I mean, you probably his words probably spoke to you or his numbers. I mean, he was the most analytical guy out there. I, um, yeah, I loved his stuff doing the uh, the play by play breakdowns and stuff like that. That was that was awesome. That was such a it was a great. cool thing. So yeah, Sebastian's now he's working for somebody's front office. I I can't remember. Um, in the NBA, I mean Ethan Sherwood Strauss who used to go back and and forth with him all the time. Uh, Beckley, yeah. uh, Mason. I mean the the list goes. Zach Lowe. I mean Zach Lowe's a he came yeah. from Celtics block. I mean that's yep. a, that's a true hoop guy. So you know what what Henry Abbott did for basketball Twitter and the 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 online basketball content like. He made the biggest, and there's a lot of different you know places you can look to get this stuff now. But he is really the godfather of changing the landscape and giving giving so many guys an opportunity to not only start writing, but guys to get into the industry, to get into the NBA, to work for teams. Um, I mean, it's just amazing what he did. So, you know, I was I was certainly disappointed to 
you know, see ESPN make that decision to let him go. Um, but you know he's going to land on his feet, and we certainly wish him the best. But, yeah, I, I appreciate that, Brett, because I knew you'd have as good of a perspective about it all and be able to reflect, uh, you know, more, more than I would be able to because, you know, so much happened, you know, before I came along, and and uh, and that's awesome. Any uh, any final thoughts, really, about Queen City Hoops? And we'll, we'll tell our listeners this: what, what's your vision for the future? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's what I lean on you for now. I just <laughs> I just pay the bills, man. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm really excited that um, to see that this podcast get off the ground, and I think that's a really important step for the site. Uh, Ever, you know, I, I lost a lot of my drive for doing the site when things like Synergy and then the NBA stats platform became available. It's like, well, there are these better versions of what I'm doing out there. And I mean, I wasn't doing it to make a buck anyway. So it's like, hey, we, we've got these resources now. So now it's, I think, continuing to look at the other avenues and, and things like blogging and, or sorry, um, podcast and, you know, just other ways to engage readers. But it's just, or, or viewers, listeners, whatever, um, as compared to the original focus, just hey, just adapt to what's available and and, and do something new uh, to, to pull folks in. So, do you um? So, how much of like Hornets basketball do you actually get to watch during like an eighty-two game slate? Uh, this year, I watched a bit less ever since. And so, you know, personal detail: we're my my wife and I are in Richmond right now while she finishes up grad school, and so. She's at, doing this at VCU, so it was a fun couple of years here. Our, our most of our basketball watching was VCU. I managed to squeeze in a few Duke games, but we are planning to head back to Charlotte, and I think that's going to shift um, our viewing priorities here in the years ahead. So, looking forward to the season in front of us um, and the squad that they have out there. So, so while we've got you, do you have like what the What's the, if you say if I had to ask you if there's one thing that this team has to get better at or has to improve or something they have to do this offseason? What what would you say that one thing is to get back into the postseason and take a step? Oh, can you can you say that they have to stay healthy? Um, yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, that that'll be a big part of it. Um, so so many injuries. It, it feels like for the last couple. Um, the the key guys the last couple of years. So um, the the step. Kemba made this past season. Keep that up and get MKG healthy, and it'll be a fun team to watch. That's for sure. So, no doubt. All right. Well, Brett, uh, again, thank you for coming on, man. Uh, we got to have you on again here sometime soon. And I, I got this feeling that deep down inside me, you're, you're going to return to your uh, to your writing ways on the site one day. I, I can just I don't know when that day will be here, but it's I got a feeling it's coming. So, no, thanks thanks for everything, man. Thanks for the support and. I'm glad people know, you know, who you are and why the site that they read every single day or, you know, a few times a week or whatever it is, where it came from. So thanks, man. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Spencer. All interesting stuff there. This stuff I've never heard before. Obviously, I joined QCH, you know, just in this past year. I've always been an avid reader of QCH, you know, back in the Bobcat days and in the Hornets days. I know, you know, QCH and the True Hoop Network has had its heyday and it's kind of fallen off a little bit, but de- definitely respect everything that the True Hoop Network has done. Uh, for the NBA scene and its coverage. And if it wasn't for people behind the scenes, people with that vision, and even people like Brett, you know, this this right here, BuzzBeat Radio, wouldn't be possible. You know, BuzzBeat Radio grew from the Queen City Hoops blog, and 
now here we are 23 shows in. So I've always had a, you know, a deep respect for the True Hoop Network as well as uh, Queen City Hoops. And that's kind of why I asked to join as, as a contributor as well, because I knew that you know, it was a rel- well-respected network and a well-respected blog site, too. So thanks to Brett. Yeah, that's that's really well said, Richie. I mean, that's that is what Queen City Hoops has always wanted to stand for. It, it wants to be, it wants to not necessarily bring the most content, um, but it wants to bring the best content. And I think we've been true to kind of our philosophy, and that and that was Brett's from the very beginning. Um, and not you know joining SB Nation or Fan Sided or and, and with all due respect, I mean those those have some great blogs and they're great networks, but you know. <laughs> to stay your own website and, and kind of, for the lack of better terms, reserve the right to make your own decisions is something that ESPN and Henry Abbott and Kevin Arnovitz presented to Brett in Queen City Hoops, you know, to to separating church and state, if you will. You know, we were able to still make our own decisions, still run our own website while also living under the larger umbrella of ESPN and True Hoop Network. So, you know, Richie, if another decision is made by Brett or you know, at that time, you know, we, we don't know if we're here right now doing right. this. So in Queen City Hoops is still strong and still churning out and still looking to the future to to take that next step and uh, and be the best we can be. And it's not going to be with ESPN any longer. And, and that's perfectly fine. But but yeah, I mean, Brett and his decisions and his passion is, you know, it's made it all possible for us. So really happy. And, and it was really special to have him come on tonight. When would you say the uh, the heyday of uh, the True Hoop Network and, and Queen City Hoops was? Like what years would you say was like bringing in the most traffic? Oh, that's a good question. So, you know, there were some pretty big, there's pretty big plans for the True Hoop Network at one time. And, the, you know, Henry had a vision that I still believe in. You know, I still, it's, you know, ever since the news came out last week, Richie, to be honest with you, like I, I just find myself at a point in time during the day, like, going through my emails so still have my true hoop <laughs> folder and reading some of the stuff and just being so excited about the plans and how how ESPN was getting behind it and was really pumped about it and look you know like at the end of the day it's a business right and you have to make business decisions and you know obviously a lot of that is financial and you know they decided not to go in that direction and that's okay they wanted to, to strategize their you know their basketball coverage in a different way but to answer your question I, I would say that I would say probably you know 2012 2013 you know getting into 2014 was probably the heyday for the true hoop network I mean it was a full network of team blogs you know you had hardwood uh <laughs> like Brett can't say the second word I never can either and I'm not going to try to you know you had so many gothic Ginobili I mean you had so many of these little fun blogs too you know, that looked at the game from a different way and had a different writing style. And they were just, it was like a grassroots, you know, groundswell of, of NBA, like an underground NBA fan base that the True Hoop Network kind of brought to the light. And now that's a normal thing, I think, with, with NBA Twitter. And you know what I'm trying to say, Richie? Like now, if you weren't around back then, you really can't even like fathom. NBA fans back then were just like season ticket holders, right? And people that watched on TV like there was there wasn't this underground like internet fan uh, right. and that's all there is now but the true hoop network is what brought that to the surface um, to me and you know anybody that disagrees with that probably isn't paying attention or probably wasn't around uh, when that stuff was happening but um but yeah I, I would say it was 2012 2013 2014 and uh, again you know in the end of the, at the end of the day ESPN decided to kind of go a different direction with their NBA coverage, and you kind of saw the the True Hoop Network slowly but surely start to fizzle out and move to different networks. And you know, and Queen City Hoops didn't do, didn't do that. You know, we decided we were going to be our own deal, 
uh, remain an independent blog, keep pushing out the content, and stay patient. And that's what we're right. going to continue to do. And you, like Brett, just didn't want to concede anything. And, and I think that you know when Brett did that, you know, good things came along his way. And obviously, you know, Chris Axman's he probably was inspired by this True Hoop Network to do the Almighty Baller Network as well. So with all the shows over there, he probably took a lot of inspiration from what True Hoop did, you know, early on. Oh, there's there's zero doubt about it. And I think if you ask Chris, I certainly want to speak for him, but. I think a lot of his inspiration comes from, yeah, the True Hoop Network and what they did. It's a conversation really I need to have with him um, uh, because he's got a, he's got just as big of a vision as Henry had. I mean, he really does, and he's and he's doing the right things, and he's a, approaching the right people, and he's asking the right questions, right? And and so, but you know, <laughs> it's a corny saying, but you know, Chris and Henry, I, I, it's the second time I've kind of been through this thing where I feel like there's really something good happening here, and. You know, real, real recognizes real, you know, so I think that Chris kind of is, I think he's trying to reinvent maybe a little bit what was going on there while, while also having his own little, his own little flair and, and, and architectural structure to, to what he's trying to do with Almighty Baller. But there is definitely a lot of true hoop fingerprints on this thing. And there's a lot of true hoop guys, to be honest with you yeah. now in the Almighty Baller radio network. So it's cool stuff. It really is. And uh, Queen City Hoops is still here and still strong and still growing. So it, it really is exciting, and we're, we're certainly happy and lucky to have Richie here now. All right, Richie, well, let's talk some free agency, if, if you're good. I actually got some pretty good names today that when I started digging deep, I started actually getting a lot more interested in this than I thought Well, you, you have would. to dig deep. You have to dig deep here, with it, considering the fact that we just have the, the MLE here. Yeah, so I'm going to kind of real quickly, I'll just kind of preview what the Hornets' summer in terms of spending is going to look like. I just got a few bullet points here that yeah. really – is what you need to know. Um, so this summer for the Hornets, they have the mid-level exception, which is $8.4 million. They have, they have the biannual exception to spend as well, Richie. It's worth $3.2 million. So obviously what you can get there is extremely limited, and they might not even spend that. Right. And didn't they sign Lynn a couple years ago to that biannual, if I'm not they mistaken? Did. Yeah. They, they did. That is really what they have to spend. That's it. It's, it's the mid-level exception, the biannual ex- exception. Uh, the Hornets have $102 million tied up in nine players right now. Yeah. That's the cap. So they're already capped out uh, with only nine guys. So um, currently there's $6.5 million below the tax. So that seems like a doomsday scenario when you already have nine guys over the cap. But what, what people have to understand is – the Hornets do have $12 million in flexibility with non-guaranteed contracts. So really the most notable one would be Ramon Sessions, uh, which is worth $6.2 million. So they could decline every single one of those non-guaranteed contracts and not pick up those options, but it would not give, again, just so everyone understands, it doesn't give them more cap space because they're already capped out with 102 uh, into nine players. So really all it does is it gets them further away from the tax and, you know, the more I looked at this, Richie, I've always kind of thought it's been a no-brainer that the Hornets would, would not bring back Sessions. I'm not sure that's the case now. Yes, um, I was thinking I, the same I, thing. I, yeah, after looking today, I, I just don't – we'll talk about it more in a minute. But that's really the preview uh, for the Hornets this summer. Um, so after that, Richie, I, I'll throw it to you. Give me one name that you looked at and you – thought, hmm, that's interesting for the Hornets this summer. Yeah, when I was digging deep like you were, uh, it was a little depressing considering the fact that uh, the free agent list in year this year is not the greatest, especially on the lower end, uh, and that's where we're going to have to be looking at because we only have the mid-level exception to spend. So we shouldn't get our hopes up 
and actually some of the players that I kind of looked into probably are out of our reach. I think it's fun just to note them anyway, but I guess this is what happens when you kind of go all in on your core. Um, you, you're going to need that production to come from that core. But anyway, uh, the first player that I, I'm looking at, um, I'm not sure uh, if we'll go after him, Darren Collison. You know, he's an unrestricted free agent out of Sacramento. He actually was one of their better players this year. He averaged 13 points a game, uh, over four and a half rebounds a game, and four and a half uh, assists a game as well. And he's a three-point threat, consistently has shot, you know, near the upper 30s throughout his whole career from behind the arc. Very good uh, player in the pull-up game. Um, and he actually shot uh, 42% this past season from three. So he's a player that does well on the ball uh, in pull-up situations, a very good uh, shooter when it comes to that situation. Uh, you won't see him play off ball that much. So when it comes to pairing him with Kimba, it might be a little bit difficult because both of those players are, are undersized, I would say, um, and just kind of average average defenders. So um, I do like him, uh, but that, there also is the issue with the domestic violence as well. So he is one player that I looked at, and I, I do think that in terms of the players that I looked at, realistically, um, in terms of the MLE, he, he might be my most realistic option, which is kind of depressing to say, but I don't see it's un, I don't think it's unreasonable to offer him the mid-level exception. I have that name down as well. So let's talk about him for a minute. You know, one of the things that I wrote down, and I think it's really the most excuse me, I think it's one of the most revealing things about Collison and actually a few other guys is his style is a little bit redundant to Kimba's for me. Um, and I'm not sure Darren Collison is a guy that can play at the end of games with Kimba. I, I just don't think he can share the floor with him. Uh, no. Maybe in, in certain lineups, but I mean, you can't match up defensively when you have Collison um, and Kimba on the floor together. Um, it's just, it's a size, uh, it's, it's a big time size liability. So, you know, the other two names that I kind of grouped in this Darren Collison, there's there's three, including Collison. The other one was Patty Mills. You yep. know, I like a lot of the things that he does on the basketball court, and I think he would definitely add, you know, an offensive um, – he would add some offensive firepower to the Hornets. But, again, it's the same thing. I mean, I think the Hornets really need to be looking for a guy that can play on both ends and can play at the end of games with Kimba and also be a creator. So you're trying to find a lot in one player. But guys similar to that – do exist. And then we're going to dig deep and, and talk about some of these names. And the last guy that kind of fits into this redundancy of Kimball Walker group is Jeff Teague to me. I, I'm not sure what Jeff Teague's going to get on the market. I think it's going to be very, very interesting. I, I think he's probably worth more uh, than 8.4 mil yeah. a year. Especially. But, but you know what? I, I don't know, you know, because he's not been a guy who's been a world beater, you know, really since that, that miracle year the Hawks had in, in, in 14, 15 or 15, 16. I can't remember which one it was, but, I think that was more uh, a product of just the chemistry that roster had and how they spread the floor and you know how Horford was there. It was just, I, I don't think it was really a product of Jeff Teague. So I don't know what he's going to get out there. But even if you could get him for 8.4, again, like he probably wants to start number one, and he's just too redundant to Kemba. So I don't, I don't see that happening. The, the name that <laughs> people are – going to throw up in their mouths a little bit when they hear this name but i think it's worthy of discussion richie is um is derrick rose um wow you know I, I don't i don't think that i don't think he's very interested defensively anymore um but he is and he does have the athletic the athleticism and he has the the physical tools to be out there with kimba at the end of the, at the end of a game and guard either a physical point guard or guard the two you know like he can you can talk yourself into that concept in your mind. Now, 
you know, he doesn't stretch the floor. You know, he needs the ball in his hands. I mean, the list goes on right. uh, of things that, that make him not a great fit next to Kemba. But I thought I'd, you know, I wrote the name down because there are little glimpses of how it could maybe make sense to me. Uh, but, you know, again, I, I'm not sure how much better it, it makes the Hornets. Well, yeah, out of, out of Patty Mills, Darren Collison, and Derrick Rose, he, out of the three, probably would be the most – I guess suited to play next to Kemba. Not, I mean, I don't know if that's really saying much. Obviously, Patty Mills and Darren Collison are just kind of right at six feet. You know, Derrick Rose has a little bit more uh, bulk on him. You know, he probably isn't the perfect pick next to Kemba, and he's you know he's lost some of his athleticism over the years, but he's still a very athletic player. He can get to the rim uh, with ease, and you just never know how his knees are going to hold up. And, and again, defensively is, is not where you want him to be. And we talked about this last show. We want a player that that is a two-way player and he is definitely not one of them. And I, I guess I do wonder if the MLE will get it done with him, um, like, unless he would, unless he really just loved it here and he would concede the fact. Do you know if he's unrestricted or restricted uh, by, by off the top of your head? Off uh, the top of my head, and you know, I know I'm pretty sure he's unrestricted, though. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. I think New York just signed him to a one-year th- one deal. Okay. Yeah, so, so, so I think that he's would make it easier, I guess, to sign to that, to that mid-level exception, right? I mean, so that... You know, he, he doesn't necessarily, or, you know, New York doesn't have the option just to match and, uh, you know, we go on our way type of deal. Yeah, no, I, I don't think he's a restricted free agent. I, even if he was, I don't I don't see New York um, you're trying to bring him back. But <clears throat> one of the things that intrigued me about when I started thinking about Rose a little bit is, you know, you, you touched on it. I touched on it. He's not the athlete he once was. He's not as explosive as he once was. You've probably, everyone's heard that, you know, ad nauseum at this point. Um, but he still is from baseline to baseline with the ball in his hands. One of the quickest guys, probably one of the top 20 quick, quickest guards in the NBA. All right. And I guess who one of the the other ones is in this league. That's really good. It's Kimball Walker. So, you know, he talk about being able to push the pace uh, in stretches during a game for a team that already rebounds the ball um, on the defensive glass. Pretty dang well. Having Kimball Walker and Derek Rose out there. It, I mean, that's going to be hard for defenses to match up with in terms of, keeping them out of transition. It's not something Charlotte has really ever done at all during their existence since the Bobcats came back. They've never really been a running team. But you have Kimball Walker and Derrick Rose on a team, and now I think stylistically you have to you have to try to implement that. And that's a little bit intriguing to me. I don't, I don't know how well it works, but it's certainly a – you know, interesting um, conversation to have and interesting to think about. All right, so Richie, I'll throw it back to you here. Let's let's hear another name that you thought was interesting. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I talked about Darren Collison, and, and you mentioned Patty Mills. He was on my list as well, but I do have a couple other players that I'm looking at now. Obviously, when we get down towards the tail end of these these point guard list, um, you're going to have to concede something, whether that's on offense or whether that's on defense. And I think for this next player, I conceded a little bit more of his ability to stretch the floor. And he makes up for it on the defensive end. And then this player has had a history in Charlotte. It's uh, Sean Livingston, uh, unrestricted free agent, obviously out of Golden State. You know, he doesn't solve our three-point shooting problems. He's not going to stretch the floor by any means. But he definitely plays a role on defense. You know, he, he can guard positions... I would say one through three. You know, with his length, he can guard point guards uh, all the way up to, to small forwards, um, and that would help solve our defensive problems in that second unit. And then offensively, he's not necessarily a distributor by any means, but he is pretty money in that mid-range pull-up game of his, and, and we saw that when he was here with the Bobcats as well. So, you know, the MLE might get it done with this guy, six seven point guard. Uh, he could run our second unit. 
again, he wouldn't solve the three-point shooting in that second unit uh, and, and, and the ability to stretch the floor, but that's something that you're going to have to concede when you're looking at some of these free agents that are lower lower on the list. So well, what are your thoughts on Livingston? No, I look, I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's definitely a possibility. I mean, he would be getting, if we're talking about the MLE, he's going to be getting quite a bump in pay. He's, he's making right around $5 million this year. So is Sean Livingston worth you know that much? I mean, especially at that when you're age. talking about it, yeah, especially at that age. When you're talking about an exception, you know, like a mid-level exception, I mean, the conversation becomes a little bit different, especially in the Hornets case because it's, it's the only thing they have to spend, right? So it's not like they have the mid-level exception and then some cap space. Like, so they, they're going to value that mid-level exception differently than, you know, another team. So it's, does that make sense? So it's not just in a vacuum. Right. You, you can't really, you can't approach it in that, you know, way, especially when the Hornets, because they have to get better. They have to use this exception and it might mean they have to overpay. Um, and, and, and that's exactly. a perfect example. Sean, Sean Livingston, you know, I, defensively, I, I love him. He's not an explosive athlete anymore. And really after his gruesome knee injury <laughs> in LA in his early years, he never was, but he, you cannot name me a guy in the league that has done a better job of using his, using his length to play defense, um, than Sean Livingston. And, you know, I think he's been great for golden state because he just adds to that defensive, uh, versatility that they already have, uh, especially when he comes out with that second unit. Um, I'm not sure what he'll be when he's not in Golden State, you know, around all those other great players. But he had a great stint in Charlotte, like you said uh, before, and really it was it was what you know resprung his career. You know, after the knee injury was his time in Charlotte. I can get on board with this, Richie, but I'm with you. Like I just don't know what he's got left, and you know, offensively. He really doesn't give you much outside of just hunting the mismatches, you know, against a smaller defender, um, especially when he's out there as a point guard. But, you know, I'm not sure he's going to be able to find those mismatches when he's out there with Kimba. Um, not really a three-point shooter, you know, not very explosive uh, at getting into lane and really creating. It's certainly something the Hornets could splurge on. Like, I'm not going to count it out. I just don't. I don't love it, especially at his age. Right. I mean, I think it's a name that will be thrown out in conversations uh, because of his history with Charlotte, because we need a point guard. I, I think it will come in, up in conversations, and he was one of the guys that I was looking at. My next player, not a point guard, not a point guard. I was actually looking at, you know, ones, twos, and threes, um, and I really didn't dig deep into the uh, the fours and fives. But this player, uh, I feel like, would make our team better, uh, not necessarily as a as a point guard, but as a shooting guard. Uh, Justin Holiday. Uh, he also played for the the uh, Warriors at one point. Uh, he's an unrestricted free agent, 6'6", out of uh, New York. He averaged eight points a game and, and three rebounds a game. I think that he would help bolster our defense. He has a seven-foot wingspan. Like, like Livingston, he uses his length to affect and bother the shooters. And one thing that he would bring to the second unit is his ability to shoot the three-point ball. Uh, he shot 35% from behind the arc. Uh, just another player, I think, with his length, definitely impact on defense – just you know, just based on his length, but also I think that he could provide some punch uh, in the second unit with with three point shooting, and you, you could almost all, you know see him playing at the end of games too sometimes because he is that three and D type of player. You know, he's not a shutdown defender by any means, and he's definitely not at MKG's level. But from what I've seen, uh, a, a pretty good defender, above average defender. Yeah, I, I wish I could speak more to his defense. You know, I've seen you know Holiday score the ball at a pretty high rate at points in times in New York and in Golden State. Uh, I wish I could go back, and Richie, now that you brought his name up, I am going to go back and watch some film of him defensively because I think that would be the big question mark. I think it would be, can he help us defensively? We know he can shoot. And then the second thing, can he 
create some offense. You know, can, can he do a better job uh, than, than a Marco Bellinelli, which I think the Hornets were really hoping he could come in and not only be a shooter, but also create some offense and be a ball handler. Didn't work out that way. But, you know, is Justin Holly going to, is Justin Holiday going to be able to do that? I think it's, those are really the two things that the front office will have to answer if they're considering him. But I like it. I mean, six six, seven foot wingspan. Like we're talking about a guy who can play both ways. So it's certainly, you know, a, a realistic candidate. So I've got some interest. I think you're going to be really interested by some of these names. I'm getting ready to throw out at you. Okay. <laughs> and and the first, and I've got four of them. So oh, I got a little. I know I got a little carried away. But once I started like looking at these names and started thinking about this in a little different way, and kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, where the Hornets are going to have to maybe overspend, and they're going to have to think outside the box when it comes to this mid-level exception. Now, Richie, before I say this, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Do the Hornets need to improve more offensively, or do they need to improve more? So when you when you prioritize that simple question okay. with this mid-level exception, offense over defense, what are you picking? I feel like I'm going to answer no. wrong here, but I'm, I'm going to say offense. Well, there's no wrong answer. I mean, it's, okay, so you're saying offense. So I kind of took with this first guy, I took the complete opposite um, route. And I said, <laughs> wow, I didn't even realize this guy was unrestricted. He just got traded. He's actually playing on my television screen right now for Toronto. They traded for him at the deadline. PJ Tucker. I, you know, I don't even know how I would answer whether the Hornets need to improve more offensively or defensively with this signing. But here's a guy that you bring in with, you know, put him next to Michael K. Gilchrist. Now you have two Lockdown wing defenders. Okay, he's not going to bring you a ton offensively, but he's not a zero on that end. But I think immediately, immediately, as soon as you make that signing, you can guarantee that you're a better defensive team at that moment. And not only that, but with one of the top five, in my opinion, defensive coaches in the NBA and Steve Clifford. Right away, you are a really good defensive team. Okay, so. That's one way to look at this mid-level exception and then figure out a, a way to, to draft a, a, you know, an elite guard, elite score, you know, and then maybe get really creative with the biannual and, and, get, some, and get some good value you know, at, at a low price for a guy who can just come off, come off the bench and just score and shoot it. You know, I don't know what Troy Daniels' deal is, but I'd be happy to bring that guy back to Charlotte. Um, does that make sense no, to you? you know, I like just, it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I saw his name I was, as I was scrolling through the free agent list and – and I considered it, but I guess I guess I focus so much on the point guard position. You know, who knows? You know, the, obviously the draft comes first, so maybe we can address the guard situation there uh, with the draft picks that we have, or maybe we pick up more draft picks, or we may, maybe we make a trade, you know, to pick up a point guard, or maybe we keep sessions. So maybe maybe this MLE, I've been focusing on the wrong position, and maybe we need to be focusing on you know on other positions as well. But yeah, he would bring the defensive presence. Um, and he's, he's not a bad three point shooter either. I wouldn't, I, I don't think based off what I've seen from him. So yeah, kind of a three and D type of player that we've always been talking about. So yeah, I, I love, I kind of like that a, a lot, but I guess I just wasn't really focused on that position, but, uh, I definitely could see that happening. Do you think that the, uh, the MLE will get it done? It would be an upgrade for him and pay. Right. Yeah, I think so. I don't know why. I mean, he's not enough of a two way guy to demand too much more than that. I wouldn't think so. Yeah, I think it, I think it would get it done. And you know, exactly what you said. I had written down here, you know, you sign PJ Tucker, you say, look, there's the, the free agent market for a backup point guard just is not, it's not great enough for us to spend 8.4 million, you know, on a Derek Rose, or Darren Collison or Patty Mills or some of these guys we've talked about. So let's just go get better. 
right? Let's go sign P.J. Tucker. Let's pick up Ramon Sessions' option. Hope he can stay healthy. He comes off the books after this season. Um, and then let's try to get a score in the draft and, and see what happens. You know, like, like Brett said earlier, I mean, if the team stays healthy, that, that has a lot to do with everything. I mean, if Zeller didn't miss 13 games in the middle of the season, you know, this, probably might, this might be a playoff team. So, you know, probably yeah, a little but, closer. But you got – I mean, you have to count on – you know, depth and stuff like that. Injuries always occur. I mean, yeah, I guess that's in a perfect world. If we were injury free, uh, we'd be in the playoffs. Maybe not right now, but we'd we'd be in the first round of playoffs. So I guess, I mean, yes, injuries are, are, are part of the deals here. So I think that the depth always get, has got to get better. But yes, I agree with Brett with what Brett is saying. But, you know, you can't count on it, you know, being a you know full 82 games healthy season. No, 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 sure. I, but yeah, I guess more of my point is, again, I, I just think that you talk about making some middling move and overpaying for one of those four guards we were talking about earlier or picking up a guy like PJ Tucker, where you just know you're going to get better. You know what I mean? And you know what you're, what you're going to get on one end of the floor. And you know, you got to answer these other offensive questions somewhere else, but I'm sorry, but the Hornets just aren't going to find this both ends, be a creator, be a defense. Like, like you said earlier, they got to concede something. And, and I think that PJ Tucker would be, you know, it'd be nice to just concede a little bit offensively and say, okay, let's return to be an elite defensive team. Um, so he's an option. I, I, another name I wrote down, and to me, this player answers, checks as many boxes in terms of offense, defense, ball handling, creator, shot maker, uh, can can really guard the, the other team's best player, James Johnson. You know, he had an awesome season in Miami last year. He was only making $4 million. Uh, you know, underpaid, almost out of the league, really before his renaissance in Miami last year. And I don't even know if eight, eight and a half million is going to get it done with him. I think he actually might demand more than that. But, I mean, he showed things in Miami last season. I just had no idea that he could do. And I think he showed that to the entire league. I think the Hornets would be extremely lucky to land a guy like this. But to me, he answers as many of the questions – he answers as many uh, of the problems yeah. of the Hornets have of any other guy that we've talked about so far. Yeah, in terms of like you said, checking all the boxes, you know, focusing on both ends of the ball. He's going to be that guy. You know, out of all the players that we're talking about, we're going to have to concede a little bit. But for him, yeah, you, you concede on some things, but you know, he does he does kind of check a lot of boxes for us. And uh, but like you said, the, the money the money might be the issue, the hang up there. Exactly. Um, Vince Carter. <laughs> um, you know, potentially an option if if the uh, Hornets decided they wanted to spend the biannual uh, exception, which they have, which again is worth about three point two million. Um, come back home, you know, obviously played his college ball in Chapel Hill. You know, he said he's coming back for one more season. Um, that's what we know for now. It might be more than that, but I mean, I wouldn't count that out. That guy is he's timeless. I mean, you yeah. see what he was doing this year. I mean, he's making shots. He's He's isolating guys. He's going off the dribble and making plays. I mean, he's still defending um, like he really cares. I mean, he's playing as hard as he's ever played in his career or as hard as he's ever played to me. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I could see him being attracted to the idea of maybe wanting to come back to North Carolina to end his career. But, I, you know, I wrote it down because I, I think it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be the draw to come back here. Obviously, I think at the MLE, it would be too much. Maybe the biannual might be too little, so he might be somewhere in between. Uh, but he would provide a scoring punch, you know, off the bench. He's he's still a very good three point shooter. I know that with his athleticism that's kind of waned over the years. You know, he still has that aspect of his game, and we could always use three point shooting because uh, we're very uh, inconsistent in that area. Something that we wanted out of Marco Bellinelli, but he he just provided it in spurts. I feel like 
Vince Carter is a little bit more consistent on that end. But yeah, I think that draw of coming back home, I think that could be enticing to him. And, and maybe the biannual could, could get it done. I don't know if I'd spend the MLE on him, but um, yeah, I think that'd just be a little bit of an overpay for that. So the last name I had is actually the most intriguing to me and probably will be to you as well. I'll be interested to see what you think. Joe Ingles. I don't know how much of the playoffs you've watched, but you know, he's been great for Utah. He, (laughs) he was guarding Chris Paul in in a lot of late game scenarios uh, for the jazz against the Clippers, which I never thought I'd see the day uh, that that Joe Ingles was locking down Chris Paul uh, at the end of a playoff game. He's a biannual candidate. He might demand more than that. He is a restricted free agent, Richie, and I'm a little unsure of what the deal is. I don't think there's a rule against spending the biannual on a restricted free agent, um, but I'm not 100% sure on that. So if anybody knows that answer, uh, reach out to Richie Ryan and, and, and let us know. He reminds me, you know, he has he's a pretty good defender. He has some length. He has more athleticism than you than you would think. He's a good shooter. He's actually a really good creator. Uh, and I watched him a little bit in the Olympics last summer, and and you know knew he was in the NBA. Didn't know he could do all that offensively though. I mean, really has a good feel for the game. Really is a secondary uh, ball handler and creator. And his passing reminds me of like a Josh McRoberts. Um, yeah. Or even a, you know he's not that tall, and he's certainly not as tall as Spencer Hawes, but he has that. He has that feel for a bigger player, sees the floor really well, and I think he would help Charlotte's offense because he would, you know, he would change the geometry of, of the opposing defense just with the way he moves the ball and the way he sees the floor. And then, you know, you put him next to a Nick Batum. Those are two really, really, really uh, good passers next to each other and guys that see the floor in creative ways. So he's interesting to me. His his um, so it looks like as a restricted free agent, the Jazz would have to. It's like two point seven million or something along. Like that's where, you know, his kind of cutoff line is for what he's going to earn next season. I, I'm positive that they will try to pick that up. But you know, the problem they're going to run into is when teams come come in and like Charlotte did with Gordon Hayward uh, a number of summers ago. A num- number of summers ago, so you know, teams are going to come in and offer him an offer sheet for more than that, and then it's up to the Jazz whether or not they want to match it. So I guess my question is, I don't know if the Hornets actually can come in with that biannual worth 3.2, which be, would be greater than what the Jazz have to pay him next year. Can they come in with that as an offer? I, I think the answer is yes, but I'm not exactly sure. Um, but he's going to get a raise, Richie, somewhere. My guess would be it's going to be a team with cap space because they can go higher than the Hornets can, obviously, Right. Um, you know, with 3.2 biannual exception. Uh, and then the and then the Jazz can match any offer. So if a team came in and offered him eighteen million dollars a right. year, well, Jazz can match it, and and then he stays in Utah. But um, so it'll be interesting because just in these playoffs, Ingles has proved his versatility on both ends of the floor, and that he's a player worthy of being on the floor late in the playoff series. You know, against a dynamic Clippers team. I mean, I think that says enough about a guy. You know, in the regular season, that stuff gets lost in translation. A little bit more when you get down to the playoffs and it comes down to matchups and you have a guy like Joe Ingles who it can be, you know, a secondary uh, ball handler. And on top of that, he can guard the other team's point guard. That's pretty it's pretty damn versatile. Yeah. I mean, that, that was my favorite series of the first round. Uh, I, I remember watching game one and Gobert went down like 16 seconds in and it all it's all doom and gloom. But Utah ended up winning that game one and Joe Ingles was was you know, a vital piece to that. He was, you know, pestering J.J. Redick, but he also, more importantly, was pestering uh, CP3 with his defense. And 
The fact that he's that uh, versatile when it comes to switching across different positions uh, is definitely an added bonus. And like you talked about, he does have that um, ability to play on ball and distribute. I, it's funny you mentioned Josh McRoberts because I, I just think of, about him too, but maybe it's because he's white and he's left-handed as well. But yeah, I mean, he's definitely a player that uh, the Hornets would love to have on the team. And, and like you were talking about, yeah, I think we can come in with the biannual and they would have that opportunity to match. But to be honest, like you said, I think other teams are going to have more to offer him. And I, and I do think he's worth more than just that. And then I guess one more player that I want to throw out, I know that may, maybe you have more, but this player is probably out of our reach. Tony Snell. Uh, restricted free agent out of Milwaukee. Uh, He had a very good year this year, and actually, with the recency effect, I feel like his playoff performance was even better than his regular season performance, and so a lot of these teams um, are going to look at that, and he might get overpaid in that sense. Uh, But he averaged 8.5 points a game, 3.1 rebounds per game. But this player is a 3-and-D guy, a guy that we've been talking about in terms of what we need on this team. He's 41% uh, from behind the arc. You know, his offensive game doesn't really offer much other than three-point shooting and, and drives to the basket, basket with layups and dunks and things like that. Um, but he's a good defender. He can switch across both the two and the three, and he's a player that I would like to see on the Hornets roster. But again, I don't know, you know, with that $8.4 million, uh, MLE, would Milwaukee match that? You know, a little inconsistent, but he definitely has shown some um, some jumps here. Yeah, no, I, I like I like Snell. I mean, there's another guy who's who's versatile on both ends. Um, you know, I asked you earlier what you would prioritize more, and now I'm going to contradict myself a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> and I, you said offense, and I kind of threw out the PJ Tucker idea and leaned towards defense maybe a little bit. But what I would say about Snell is the other thing that I would prioritize on top of defense would be ball handling, right? A secondary creator, just a guy who can take a little bit of pressure off of Kemba at the end of the game, not named Nick Batum, that can handle the basketball. And, you know, I don't know that Snell brings you that. You know, you're absolutely right as a 3 and D guy, good defender, switch across a lot of positions, made some defensive plays in that series against Toronto that, and played with energy. It was pretty amazing. I, I was I was kind of shocked to, to watch him play some in that series. But, yeah, I, I don't know, Richie. I, I just I, – I could be talked into it, but because of his lack of ball handling, um, I don't know that – that's the move I would make. But I, I'm glad you brought that name up because I think that's a name that uh, that will be discussed by Charlotte. And, and you said he is a restricted free agent, right? Yeah, he's restricted. Yeah. So now let me ask you this. Last question, and then we got to go. You know, for Joe Ingles, we kept saying biannual, biannual. Would you would you spend the mid-level exception on him? I would. I definitely would. I just I don't, I don't I, think the biannual would get it done, and I would definitely offer him the, the mid-level for Joe Ingles. I think that would be – he'd be a perfect fit on this team in terms of – everything that he could offer on both ends of the court, you know, who knows? Someone might come above that. But, yeah, I, I would be willing to offer that. You know, all the names that we've talked about today, I think some of them just aren't worth that value. And I know that we might have to overspend on some of the players, but, you know, to spend a $8.5 you know, million on Sean Livingston, who's on the tail end of his career, just doesn't make a whole lot of sense, even though he, he would provide defense and, and mid-range shooting and, and, and things of that nature. But if – if we can get someone of value closer to that that number, yes, I would offer that MLE to to Ingles. Now, I I think I agree with you. I get a little bit of cold feet because like I just think he's a perfect fit in Utah. I I, I love that team, by the way. I mean, they are definitely my crush in this playoffs. Yep. Um, you know, I think he's a perfect fit there. I think the versatility they have offensively, he just he just fits into it so perfectly. I'm not sure how that'll translate in Charlotte. I, I agree with you. I th- 
I think it translates just fine, and I'd be willing to spend 8.4 on him. But um, I don't know. His market is going to be super interesting because the Jazz, the Jazz are already in, in a tough cap situation. They they got to now try to re-sign Gordon Hayward, and they got a lot of questions to answer. And I just don't know if Ingles is going to fit into their future because of cap situations. But yeah, I think I agree. I think I'd pick out a mid-level exception. And another thing that um, we, we didn't really discuss, you know, with the Sessions deal. Now, now do you pick up the option? You know, after looking at these free agencies and and, and the point guard situation, yeah, I mean, there's some point guards out there that are better than Sessions, uh, but are they worth the the 8.4 million? Or is it better just to keep sessions and use that eight point four million elsewhere? You know, you see what I'm saying, like right. so, so the- Oh yeah, yeah. I see. Perfect makes perfect sense, and I'm glad you brought that up to kind of end this thing. Is that it's kind of like Richie? It's kind of like in the NFL draft. Like the quarterback is always the trendy pick, but like when you really need a quarterback, but you have the second pick in the draft, and there's just not that many great quarterbacks out there. Do you do you take a quarterback or do you take the best? possible player right and i think the hornets in this situation with this mid-level exception need to take the best possible player and that's why guys like pj tucker and joe ingles make more sense than derrick rose darren collison patty mills or jeff teague you know i think that's what we're talking about right and the hornets have to answer that question do we want a backup point guard so bad that we'll overpay for a mediocre one that might be redundant to kimba and they can't play together or do we decide we're going to go get the best player out there in free agency, P.J. Tucker, James Johnson, Joe Ingles, and then figure out you know the secondary ball handling later and just bring Sessions back for one more year. See, you know, is, I mean, no. That th- makes, this is yeah. why I would want to trade back in the draft. Give us two opportunities to, to kind of you know not, not just select best player available, but address different positions and different needs in the draft. And that way, it's not necessarily a need. We just get best player available in free agency. Just because our, our options are limited – Give us more options in the draft. I mean, look, I'm with you. I, I really am. If Portland, Portland's the team that you've thrown out there, they got two draft picks like in the middle to late first, right? Correct, correct. Yeah, no, I'm, look, I am with you. I, I don't know how the Hornets prioritize. I know they prioritize the draft. I, I don't know how they get better at doing this drafting thing. And I, I don't know if the fact that they haven't done it well gives them cold feet to do something like that because it puts more pressure, you know, on them in evaluating talent, make sure and they really get get at least one of those two picks right. You know what I mean? But I'm with you. It gives you it gives you more of an opportunity. You're you're already capped out with nine roster players. You have a lot of unguaranteed contracts that you can take off the books. If you're confident as a team, you can evaluate talent and fill out some of those remaining roster spots with late first round, middle first round picks. What you're saying makes complete sense. Now, what they're thinking, how they're thinking in the front office and, and where they lay confidence in versus where they don't is a different question. you know. But I, I think what you're presenting is makes absolute sense, and I would agree with you that it's probably almost a smart thing to do. And I would argue, um, and I know we got to wrap up here, but I would argue that it would actually put less pressure on them. They're not picking at a, as a, you know, at a high slot, and then they have two options to get it right. So, I mean, I, to me, that would put less pressure on me. I know that you have two opportunities to mess up, but they can look at it, you know, we have two opportunities to get one good player type of deal. But, yeah, that's the last I'll speak on that. I know that, you know, the offseason is going to be uh, very interesting for the Hornets, and I guess where they go in the draft will kind of dictate where we go in the free agency as well. Yeah, exactly. And you're, I see your point uh, about that. And it's all going to depend where they end up in the lottery, right? I mean, we're going to assume they're 11th, but, you know, if they get into the top three somehow, I mean – 
now our show gets really fun for the next <laughs> yep. uh, however, however many weeks leading up to the draft. So, And all that's still on the table. All right, Richie. Well, that was a really fun show. Um, we got through a lot tonight, and I really enjoyed having Brett uh, on and, and being able to talk about the history of Queen City Hoops. Uh, really a fun segment. So we'll have to have him back on here again soon. Thanks to everyone for tuning in to Episode 23 of BuzzBeat Radio. We are a proud member of the Almighty Baller Radio Network who is in the infancy stages of a partnership deal with Dash Radio that we could not be more excited about. Please go download the Dash Radio app if you have not so far. We've got another awesome guest lined up for next week. Oliver Maroney from Dime Magazine will stop in to reflect on the Hornet season, what went wrong, summer priorities, what to expect this what to expect from this team next season so you've heard richie and i's opinions tonight and and for far too many episodes now so we're gonna get oliver in here to talk a little bit uh, about what they got coming uh thanks again for tuning in everybody and we will see you next week Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.